All right, all right, all right. We are live. We are live. Actually, we're live. This is the first time we're using a different uh, platform. So during these couple of last episodes, we've had some audio issues. And we had our, our boy Joseph Kim doing some work editing the audio, but no. but but yeah, but good thing that we're trying out new things. So currently we're trying out Zoom and this is the first time we're actually seeing each other's faces, which is not a good thing. I mean we're not we're not we're not doing this for the looks, so so it's good that that we rely on other other elements. But um we have the whole crew. We got Joseph Kim in window two. What's up, Joseph? What's up? All right. We got Adam Telfer with very good lighting. And I'm kind of looking at this and I don't know which one is more tanned. Uh, is, is it me or is it Adam? Well, Adam, what do you think? Me. Okay. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm in LA, you're in Helsinki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I tan really well. <laughs> Genetics. <laughs> if, if there's something that I do really well, it's tan. I would have to say yeah. that's my... It's definitely not game design, that's for sure. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, yeah. Let me know when you're back in mobile games, dude. Uh, anyway, so let's move on to Eric Chris, who's like in a in a gamer lair. This is yes, the gamer lair in which all my kids spend way too much time. And on top of it, um, I am by far the palest of this all. So um, I don't tan. So there you go. Yeah. You sit in a cave and play games. All right. All right. That's clear. So um, we got four topics today. Awesome topics. We're going to talk about first about Network, the company behind this super successful RPG game, Legendary, the game of heroes. And they're coming out with a new game. So previously they, they announced that they're doing some publishing stuff. And now they announced they're coming out with nothing else than Tetris Battle Royale or something like that. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, we're going to talk about Respawn revealing Season 2 for Apex Legends. Now, this is a big thing for most of you and, and <laughs> not a thing for myself, sadly. Uh, anyway, probably really interesting. Anyway, so, so the third article we're going to talk about is uh, Activision's Call of Duty mobile launching on iOS and Android in Australia. So currently in soft launch, probably... Uh, um, Probably a very interesting game for for this year or maybe early next year. Probably targeting December launch, as as always with these companies. And last, but definitely, definitely not least, <laughs> we're going to talk about EA and and how EA desperately needs a mobile gaming help. Uh, an article from Seeking Alpha. So, without further ado, I think we we start off as always with apologies and corrections. <laughs> and, and, um, no, I'm not. Who I'm is not, this one? Apology. Like I'm just, I'm just looking at the, the apologies go to whom. <laughs> I'm giving a Harry Potter update. I am not giving an apology. all of your it's, apologies. Yeah, it's it's correction, not an apology, but kind of like an apology. No, of, no, no, no. Based on the Sensor Tower data, Harry Potter is basically tracking at about eight million downloads, three million in re- revenue, which is about double revenue for Jurassic Park. So I was a little bit off on that one. Um, but it's like 22% of revenue from Pokemon. And by the way, Pokemon Go only did seven, only did 70 million in month one. So the notion of them doing 100 million in month one is ridiculous, okay? Um, so we're starting to see declining trends a little bit, if you believe the data. Um, so I think it's tracking to kind of a 10 million, 15 million in July. So basically no chance to get to the 100 million, as, as, which has seemed obvious. Um, now, what ha- what may happen is Sensor Tower sometimes revises numbers based on feedback from the company because I think they are under under counting. So we will keep you updated. Um, but the biggest fundamental thing here is the retention is going to be the biggest challenge, particularly after the first the Golden Cohort. Um, watching, I'll, we'll watch over the next few weeks, and as, if revenue stabilizes or increases, that's good. If it goes down, that's bad, um, and that will kind of give us the indicators of of retention or lack thereof. Um, and we will see. So, so Eric, what's your what's your like? We need an apology for the next round. So, uh, what are you feeling? Uh, is this a is this a, a slam dunk or a home run or a, what would be I, a hockey version of it? <laughs> I, I think it's probably a single with a yeah a single nah maybe a double what, for what? for Warner Brothers double for um, I I would say for Niantic it's probably a strikeout right. 
I don't I don't even understand these terms. I thought you were ordering hamburgers. Like I don't know. <laughs> like so a single meat is that a baseball term? <laughs> yeah, sorry dude. The reference has been lost. Um Okay. So it's when you run to the first point in that three point thing. Oh my Eric lord. Is saying it's an air ball for Niantic and it's probably a two point shot for Warner Brothers. There you go. Here's your pass. Okay, I'm confused. But the yeah, voice of reason. <laughs> what, what sports do you watch, Miska? <laughs> Bro, UFC. Like, like, is it a knockout or a submission or a decision? Like, I'm. I'm like, no, it's, like, just really, it's just a really boring wrestle on the ground for like 20 minutes. That's what. Oh, oh, Brian, <laughs> I get it. I get it. But if it's a win, it's a win. So. <laughs> It's All right, guys, let's, 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 let's move on to the article. Yeah. So the first article is called Network, You Can't Control Your Audience by Games Industry Biz. But the article itself is actually behind, is, is about a new game from, from Network. And as Mishka mentioned, Network is the company behind Legendary Game of Heroes. But they announced a game that's basically Tetris Royale last Friday, which will enter beta on Android and iOS later this year. And the concept is basically the same as PUBG Battle Royale mode in that there will be 100 players with one ultimate winner. And gamesindustry.biz interviewed Network CEO Neil Young about the game, and he actually seemed a little bit miffed about the launch of Tetris 99 by Nintendo on the Switch. So uh, according to Neil Young, uh, you know, the, the article quoted him saying, much to our chagrin, Nintendo launched Tetris 99 on the Switch before we had the opportunity to announce our product. There are obvious simila similarities there beyond the fact that the mobile market is over 30 times the size of the Nintendo Switch market. We think Nintendo's product helps validate the type of thing we're trying to build with Tetris Royale. And as for the product and monetization strategy, Young mentioned that the game will be free to play, will have free and paid loot boxes that reward performance boosters, skins, and access to different game modes. And finally, there will be some form of season pass, as is becoming increasingly popular for many other mobile games. So going back to the article's title, it's in reference to a quote from uh, Neil Young about designing games that crosses the line between being engaging and retentive and being too addictive and mani manipulative. And so he states, what you can't do is you can't control your audience. You can't control humans in general. People are going to play the way they want to play. And there are a lot of complex things going on in any individual's life at any point in time. So it's a little bit unfair to ask game, maker, game makers to try to solve for all those things. And so this article is really about, you know, kind of two things. One is the launch of this new Tetris game. And then this other, other aspect about how you design for games so that it's not too addictive or too manipulative. So my own take on this is that uh, we spoke a fair amount uh, over the last year about a potential coming wave of Battle Royale types of gameplay being integrated with other gameplay models. And we haven't seen major traction across sort of non-FPS gameplay modes. So the big question here is, can this be the first one? And I personally hope so. Uh, in terms of other games that are also experimenting with Battle Royale, there's also Flappy Royale, which will be a 100% Flappy Bird game, which was also announced that will be coming out soon as well. And further, there's also the recent launch of the Voodoo game, Black Ship Royale, which in, in which you play a pirate ship, uh, which launched in May. But based on sensor tower data, it doesn't look like Black Ship Royale is doing too well since May 22nd. Uh, since it launched on May 22nd, it's gained about 192K downloads, but less than 4K in IAP revenue. Now, for hyper-casual ad revenue is generally the majority of the revenue, but even with that sort of level and, and the download trends that we're seeing, it doesn't seem like it's doing too well. But we'll, we'll keep a watch on that. And Black Ship Royale, unlike sort of the tr traditional 100 to 1 Battle Royale mode, was, was 12 to 1 instead of 100 to 1. And kind of going back to Tetris 99 on the Switch, it's generally been viewed as a success with an 83 uh, Metacritic score. And the reviews are generally good to actually really great. Uh, and uh, Nintendo president Shuntaro Furukawa also reported it's been played by over 2.8 million accounts as of April this year. 
And he claims without giving any specific metrics that the game has boosted user engagement on the Switch. And then finally, in terms of uh, the, the, Tetris game, the Tetris game on the Switch, the original Tetris creator, Alexei Pagetnow, has stated that he loves the game and further called it one of the best games of Tetris of the last year. I really like what was done. That's a quote from Alexei, although I don't really know how many Tetris games are launched in a year, but it's the best one of the, of the year. I don't, I, I don't know how much of a compliment that is. But anyway, so kind of getting to a couple of questions I want to ask the rest of the TWID crew here. Uh, number one, uh, how well do you guys think Tetris Royale does on mobile? On mobile? And number two, what other types of gameplay should we have a Battle Royale gameplay mode for? And, and for me personally, I think that Tetris Royale will be a mild success. I just don't think the typical Tetris audience will monetize that strongly unless the game experience is truly exceptional. And I also worry about the demographic being, you know, whether the Tetris demographic is one that actually enjoys PVP or competitive types of modes. I, I just don't know, but I'm a little bit skeptical. And as for the second question for me, I personally love to see a, a doodle jump royale, although I'm not, I'm not sure how successful that would be. I just think that would be kind of cool. But anyway, over to you guys, uh, Eric. Um, I don't know. Doodle jump. I don't think so. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I just want to say, I really do like the network guys. I, I've met with them a couple of times. Like Neil Young is an absolute genius at selling a vision. And then anyone who has not heard him speak or talk about his companies, it really, you take notes, man. The guy really knows how to pitch a company or a product. Um, he's, he's amazing. Uh, you know, they had some really big success with legendary uh, game of heroes, uh, which was doing extremely well for over two years. But now, started kind of decline the last six months and they were kind of looking for their next hit and they released a game called donuts but that game ultimately um uh fell off fell off and they didn't perform well in beta it looks like they pulled it completely and then seifert our old boy seifert left the company right after they announced this publishing deal uh which is a little bit scary for me um and i'm not a big fan of publishing in general in mobile i think it's very difficult to find the right products and find um, and splitting the revenue between so many different constituents is really tough. Uh, so Scopely, for instance, has done a great job of, of finding the right products, but I'm still not fan of not owning development. So um, anyway, so kind of that strategy is a little bit seems wacky. So this this my, the point of this is this game is really important for them for uh, to continue to scale and to continue to grow. I'm not quite sure. I, I kind of agree with you. Joseph, I don't know if this casual style game will lead to um, uh, better uh, you know, monetization uh, and, and attract that right audience that wants to be that competitive. So I don't know, my gut tells me it's not gonna be all that big, but it's, it's an interesting take. And, uh, and again, I think uh, those guys are really, really smart. So hopefully they, they see some success with this next game. What do you think, Adam? What, what, what kind of battle royale game would you wanna see? I don't know, dude. Let me think. <laughs> I'll get back to me on that. I'll, I'll I'll think about it. All right. What do you think, Adam? Yeah. Um, so I I think I'm the only one here that's actually played Tetris 99. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I played the crap out of it. I really actually really enjoyed it. Um, it it was a nice novelty on the Switch. I wouldn't say that it had the lasting power of really many of the other multiplayer multiplayer games on Switch, but uh, Tetris 99 was definitely very fun. It was actually very surprising about how well battle royale works kind of on its own um just in terms of that like one on 100 kind of works in general uh, giving you that kind of like long-term goal through the match um and kind of that escalation of uh, of tension that you just get through the match as you're getting closer and closer to that top 10 top five on uh, top of the match um but as i said before it's it's definitely not nearly as retentive as PUBG, at least from my own experience um, I think the biggest issue there is just player-to-player -player interaction is very, very clunky. So the way that it works is um, on the D-pad, which is you know, not the control stick you usually typically use, you're then choosing your strategy, uh, like an automated algorithm or all, uh, automated heuristic for how you send your pieces around the map. Do you want to send it to the weakest player? Do you want to send it to the strongest player? This type of thing. And overall, that interaction is very, very weak. The interaction is kind of just passive. So it actually ends up playing just like a Tetris match, but you're playing it against 100 other people. 
um, and it doesn't really feel all that different in the end. So um, that's where I think it kind of kind of falls down. Um, but overall, like with with network, I'm a huge fan as well. With network, um, they have some very very smart people there. Um, sadly, excluding Eric for now, but still a lot of very smart people there. Um, my, my concern here in terms of network and Tetris Royale is I, I don't really see it building on kind of their company skill set. We talked a lot about Legendary before, what they're really known for. Um, and I think the biggest thing that Legendary brought to the table was this like event-driven behemoth inside of Match RPG, right? Like they have one of the most aggressive live schedules and event-driven economies on mobile. Um, and that's really allowed network techs to really punch well above their weight with Legendary and build a game that could really dominate that market. Um, with Tetris Royale, I really have a hard time to see how they would actually be able to move that that central kind of um, benefit that they have that that, that company, um, yeah, that, that company benefit over, over over to Tetris Royale. Just because Tetris as the game is not really all that well suited towards um, expanding it with things like events, like Tetris is definitely not equal to to Bejeweled. And if you think about Bejeweled and what it's done for Candy Crush. Um, and all the different levels you could produce. Tetris, you can't really do that with that. So how do you create different feeling events? And then how do you also build up an economy around it that's interesting to continually collect things? And I think, like, they talked about power boosters, um, but, like, there's no stat progression here. It's just going to be these temporary boosters, and uh, I have a hard time, hard time believing that's going to work. Um, in monetization or in retention. And I think like just even just the pay to win aspect of it just feels a bit off to me. I've seen it with things like Tetris Blitz. I think EA did that a long time ago. Um, that one was definitely not nearly as large of a success as something like Candy Crush or the Saga based models. So I'd, I'd be interested to see how they, they overcome those challenges. So overall, I'm very much looking forward to this one. Um, definitely to see how they overcome those challenges innate with that mechanic. Um, in terms of like battle royale, predicting what other games like, I, like I don't really see puzzle battle royale working so so well on mobile. As I said, like just in terms of the actual interaction on a battle royale level, doesn't really it just feels so much clunkier. Um, but any sort of game that you have kind of innate conflict and you have enough like verbs, you, there's enough actions in the core gameplay um, that you can do things like scavenge and escalate outside. Um, like if you look at Steam and the games that are kind of growing outside of PUBG in the Battle Royale space, what I would kind of be going for is things like MOBAs, like even just top-down uh, top games that aren't necessarily shooters, um, where you can scavenge, where you can kind of escalate. Um, that, that's kind of the way that I would be, be thinking about it. Um, I would be surprised if a puzzle game can figure this out. Miska? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is this is an interesting, interesting, um, interesting game from from Network. So if we look at the company and, and just Network overall, it, it, you can clearly see from the revenue side they kind of peaked in August two thousand eighteen, and since then the revenues have been declining. And they've been they've been on one game, and that one game has been Legendary. But there's significant competition and ever increasing competition in puzzle RPG genre, especially with the empires and and, and puzzles coming in from from here Helsinki and, and now a Zynga game. And they've been pushing hard and just getting more and more users and, and, and just, you know, going broad with, with their new puzzle RPG game coming out. And um, Network has had an interesting approach. So it has launched this game like Forever Donuts, which didn't pass the, um, the soft launch. I never played it, but it doesn't sound like a very hardcore game, Forever Donuts. Sounds, sounds, like, a, sounds like a very casual game. And, um, and, you know, again, with Tetris, it's, it's totally previous than, than the game that has succeeded, as, as Adam, you said, it, it, you know, Legendary is hardcore, event-driven, uh, probably a relatively small, high monetizing audience type of game. And, um, and their network is definitely not going for a sort of a genre mastery approach where it, try, you know, builds upon its learnings in terms of one gaming genre, it seems to be going very broad and, and targeting much broader audiences. So whether this is, um, whether they just see how the market is going or whether they, uh, they feel like the, that the learnings that they had from, from this sort of a hardcore game, they want to kind of go broader now because they, they don't see it um, as appealing. I don't know. But overall, looking at, at this Tetris Battle Royale game, there's no revenue data on it. So they, that must be because there's no monetization element uh, integrated into the game. So it's currently being just tested for retention. 
and it has a very small amount of installs. We're talking, you know, according to sensor tower, less than 20,000. So the way I kind of see this, uh, in my opinion, it seems to be like um, a positive PR spin uh, just to counter the, uh, the negative PR coming in from, from, you know, just doing these venture bead posts with, with our boy, Eric, who's now, uh, you know, missing in action. And, um, and, and they want to kind of showcase that something new is coming out. And also, you know, the fact that, that this is a game that essentially already has been launched on switch. It's going to be a little bit more difficult. You know, Adam, you said you, I don't know how to design. Thank you. But, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely uh, going to be issues when designing this type of game, since you're trying to finalize your game and there's already a game out, you, you know, you shouldn't be looking at it, but you're looking at it. So there's going to be copycat issues and, you know, allegations that, hey, you guys just stole this game. So they kind of want to come in earlier saying, like, we've been actually working on this game longer and Nintendo just launched it. So, so interesting. I don't need, and I also don't see that the, um, the, uh, the benchmark of or correlation between the Black Ship Royale from Voodoo is, is in any way um, fair because Voodoo, they don't even do synchronous multiplayer games i think this one will be and would is like a fake multiplayer uh, at least what i've seen it's just you know it kind of feel like it's multiplayer and i'm like oh it wasn't and that's your you know three day of gameplay and you kind of churn out the game anyway um i don't i don't know i i have no idea how how well this game would do it's it's really weird that they announced it at this point that's that's my only my only uh take on it like without any data at least any public data, public indication that this is going to be, you know, a hit just after, you know, 20,000 installs, you come out saying like, Hey, by the way, guys, we got a hit on its way. We're not going to tell you when it's going to come out, but we're going to tell you that it's coming out. So it seems like a very, very early. Um, yeah. Giving that the forever donuts didn't fly. So yeah. Puzzling, puzzling, worrying maybe, but, but as Eric said, I mean, these network guys are, really really smart and really good and and just i think they're gonna do you have any battle royale gameplay that you'd like to see i want to i want to play battle royale version of brawl stars i'm I'm tired of that game it's so boring right now i want it i wanted to reinvigorate and i think uh add the uh the battle royale version i know they have the the kind of kind of battle royale-ish versions but that tag team would be so much fun if they would have more players so just from my player's perspective, uh, I would love that game to get a battle royale. It would probably boost it more. And um, and I mean, there's there's new battle royale games coming out, and they're the auto chess battle royale games. Like that's essentially battle royale, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so with less players just and taking eight, eight, eight to one. Yeah. 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 So so you know the biggest winner in battle royale will be League uh, Riot with their with their league as, as soon as it launches on on mobile. Everybody's raving about it. Uh, people are going nuts. So I think Riot will be the biggest winner on mobile in 2020. Oh, come on. Riot doesn't know anything about mobile. <laughs> oh, haters gonna hate. <laughs> <laughs> they, they waited 10 years. Right? It's anyway. okay, but they, but they did this one game in six months. So I guess, I uh, guess they're, they've ponied up. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to have some. But, but, what do you, but what do you guys think about this? Like Network comes out with this news. With and when you look at the data, it's like okay, so they haven't added monetization. They've they've you know acquired a couple tens of thousands of users, and with such a you know company driven by such a smart people, that's jumping the gun. You know this is not their first rodeo, not by far. Yeah. So why would they come out with this news, uh, knowing how how data driven, how smart they are at this point? There has to be a reason. I don't know. I find PR in mobile, it's not useful at all, right? Like you could have the worst PR in the world and you could still UA your, you could grow around yeah, it. Yeah. Well, so I don't really see PR, this, this being anything related to the game. It's just them doing PR more about the company itself. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. so, so PR is, is more for hiring and for getting um, investments or, or acquisitions. So there's, there's, that's the one. And this doesn't seem to be, a hiring related PR, like no, our game is doing so great, we're going to hire a thousand developers, type of thing. Yeah. Or but, this but even this thing. article wasn't didn't really seem like it was written to be their coming out party about Tetris, right? It just was yeah. a side topic that then they said let's publicize this. I don't know, J.K. You, I mean, 
I'm, from from my perspective, it's like yeah, maybe they are going after another round um, mm-hmm. because if Tetris appeals to the you know the the investment community because it's a, it's a well known brand and so like that kind of helps you know get them more excited about it despite the fact that this likely won't make us nearly as much money as their original game. So, but I don't know. I mean, it's possible. But, but that's that's interesting in terms of you know the the, the decline of, of legendary and and if you think that this is all behind an effort to raise additional financing, then that, that would be an interesting implication of this article. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, should we move on? Let's do it. Let's respawn. Favorite topic. So uh, <laughs> this is the, a really hot topic on the investment side um, about um, you know, respawn's ability to execute against uh, Apex. So, uh, and unfortunately, like everything I know about this is from Adam, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I almost feel bad that I'm actually even saying it. But anyway, they basically announced that Apex Legends is coming out with all these new weapons, new characters, new modes. Um, actually, not new modes, sorry. Map changes, um, et cetera, that will help bolster Season 2 and make people come back and spend money, uh, hopefully. That's what my thinking is anyway. Um, it looks you know, like this season will be an absolutely huge test for uh apex of whether they can bring people back and keep people spending um you know we did i did do some research on this and it looks like there's an audience that is kind of nascent that's going to come back and that that that, that love the game and it it fulfills this niche that that you can't get in any other game it's kind of again competing against directly against call of duty um so I think that people are going to come back. And I think like if they did about 150 to 175 million in February and March in the March quarter, maybe they did around 50 million in the June quarter on that big lull, they should be able to get north of 150 million um, in this next quarter. I think people will come back, people will spend, and they will be engaged. But this is coming out in the next couple of weeks. So, or next, this week, I think, actually. It comes out tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, it comes out tomorrow, right. So, so uh, we will know soon enough if I am right about this. Um, and uh, it's actually a huge deal for EA right now. Um, and they're, they, I think I imagine they're kind of freaking out about what, what's going to happen here. But all my, even I even talked to Epic about this at uh, E3 and they were like, yeah, I think the guy I talked to anyway said, oh yeah, I'm sure they'll come back, you know? So anyway, this is a, a, a big thing for the stock and for EA and for um, to see whether they can bring the audience back. And so now I'm going to let Adam take over because he's far more smart about this stuff than I am. So, go ahead. Thanks, Eric. Um, yeah, I would definitely say with with um, all all the stuff from Apex, um, if you're coming from the point of view for mobile, right? Like this is really just the um, really kind of showing the importance of effective live ops and content rollout during live. Um, and I think taking from this, especially if you're operating in like the shooter market, battle market, anything like this, but how to effectively run live ops and what types of features. Um, actually drive re-engagement versus what drives retention versus what drives monetization. And actually thinking about those as as three separate things and features having different impact on each one of those three different things. Um, So, so far, at least with Apex, season two looks a lot more promising than season one. Uh, If you think back to season one, back in, I think it was March, um, they launched and there was plenty of bad press about Battle Pass, cosmetics, and just not nothing really changing new characters launching but no map changes skins were just minor modifications and that was about it and in this one if you actually watch the video of course they have a new character they have new weapons uh, they have new loot dropping they have a new battle pass um, but the battle pass looks uh, like it's really going to be dropping some very interesting legendary skins Uh, and they also have map changes which from my perspective are very, very critical. Um, so to, to really kind of drive new engagement to feel like the game is changing. Um, and before I was actually kind of concerned about this because uh, I'd read a couple articles before where the game and team seemed to be kind of saying, well, we're in, for live ops, we're not gonna be focusing on making changes to that core map, to that core team gameplay because we wanna have a very high focus on mastery that players would actually master the maps um, and that this game is not about constant changes and keeping up with those changes. Um, but then when you actually look into many of the shooters and what's kind of like driving re-engagement, driving players to come back, uh, you look at something like PUBG and one of their biggest kind of Mao or Twitch um, 
spikes came from actually new maps dropping. The biggest one happening in December when they launched their winter map. Um, so maps definitely do a lot to drive re-engagement. Um, so even though they're free, um, it is very, very important. Um, another key feature in season two is ranked mode. Um, so actually raising up the ranks. Um, so as you play more and more, you can actually you know, reach higher and higher leagues against uh, and get match made against more and more difficult players. Um, so looking into the impact of this, um, from PUBG, same sort of thing, similar comp. Um, the Mao and Twitch actually had relatively zero impact from this. So I would say most likely it's not gonna drive a lot of re-engagement solely based on this feature, but I would say this is actually gonna be much more about retention of that core audience that Eric was talking about, which I think is very important. Um, but otherwise, I think they're, they're doing a great job in terms of getting their live ops machine up and running to the speed that they need to be. Um, so they really hit that kind of like update every two weeks. Um, I'm seeing from kind of the patch notes, um, they're addressing a lot of their balancing concerns, uh, things like the hitboxes of characters, feeling like uh, certain characters are much weaker because they have larger hitboxes. Um, they've launched a limited time event and that was through uh, the month of June. Um, it didn't really seem to have much impact on the game overall. I don't think they got as much press as they would have hoped or, or to pull players back to it. Um, but it looks at least like they're building up an engine which they'll actually be able to start launching some of these limited time events which have legendary or limited time access to cosmetics. Um, another critical aspect in season two, missions and tasks inside of the battle pass. So for any developers looking to um, add, uh, add a battle pass to the game, um, this is pretty critical. So in the beginning, uh, all you could do is of course, like play the actual game um, to level up your battle pass, as well as a little bit of character boosts. And this was pretty boring. This was just kind of a linear progression to the battle pass. But now you have missions and tasks that kind of add some salt and pepper to it. It adds a little bit of interest to it. Um, so here uh, you have one issue, at least with this game, um, is that you've got a squad-based game, so you're always playing with at least two other, or usually two other players, um, and all going towards Battle Royale type of situation. Um, this task system can misalign with that. So if one person says, you know, I need to go over and land in this one specific area and open up a crate in this area, because that's what this task is telling me, like Fortnite does, um, that kind of is odd when you're trying to work as a squad, when you're saying, you know, um, making selfish decisions as part of that squad. Uh, and they want to avoid that. So in this case, it looks like the tasks are going to be quite limited towards just things like kills or using characters or using weapons, um, which is pretty similar to Fortnite's kind of daily missions, which is definitely how they drive, you know, daily, uh, daily retention, but doesn't necessarily feel different. Uh, Fortnite's battle pass has every week some very, very different feeling missions. Um, so it'll be interesting to see Respawn's take on this and if the missions can do enough uh, without kind of spoiling the competitive spirit. Um, so yeah, overall, I'm excited to see Respawn's live ops machine come catch up to the demand. Um, and season two definitely shows them trying to make a big splash to pull those players back. So I think the, the real things to, to look at are, will it be enough? And can they keep up with this demand? Uh, let's see by season three. Cool, and I, I think both Mishka and I don't have any any comments on this, so maybe we can just jump straight into the third, third article. Sure, sure. Uh, so Call of Duty Mobile. Um, this was an article on GameSpot uh, that it's launched now in iOS and Android in Australia. Uh, I think it's also live in India. Um, so overall, this is a standalone mobile free-to-play game. Uh, the developer here is Timmy, uh, which is, of course, a, a developer of Tencent. Um, you might know Timmy. Um, they've, uh, they're responsible for two of some of the biggest mobile games globally. That's Arena of Valor um, and PUBG Mobile, now called Game for Peace in China. Uh, they, uh, with, uh, they're also QQ Speed. I don't think they are QQ Speed. They, they are oh, yeah. QQ Speed. They are QQ Speed. Okay. Wow. Uh, so yeah, definitely some of the biggest, biggest uh, games in mobile. Um, so it's an FPS game and of course it's Call of Duty. And the biggest thing here is that it's really, really a faithful port of Call of Duty multiplayer to mobile. Um, this does not look like it's just Timmy taking PUBG Mobile and reskinning it. This looks like it's really 
a Call of Duty multiplayer mobile. So it's got all the game modes that you kind of expect from a Call of Duty game. Uh, that's things like Team Deathmatch, Frontline, as well as the recently released Battle Royale mode in last year's Call of Duty. Uh, it also includes plenty of familiar locations. Uh, so things like maps like Nuketown, which have always been kind of a staple of the Black Ops franchise. Um, MTX, uh, as far as I've researched from kind of watching out the videos, uh, it's limited to a battle pass, which seems like uh, pretty similar to the PUBG Mobile's battle pass, as well as direct purchase of weapons. Uh, it doesn't look like it has any loot boxes yet, but uh, it could just be that I haven't dug deep enough yet. You know, I would, uh, I'd be surprised if they don't include it, but uh, right now it's just battle pass and direct purchase, I think. Um, what's interesting too is that the user reaction, the fan reaction, is that the battle pass in this game is seen as better than Black Ops 4's in terms of player friendliness in terms of transparency of what it offers. Black Ops 4 has a number of these um, reserves as well as unlimited tiers. This one's a very, very clear system with plenty of great rewards, including earning premium currency within it, even from the free tiers. Um, interesting things here that are slightly different than say even PUBG Mobile. Um, some of the weapon skins actually include marginal gameplay improvements, which has caused a bit of a stir from fans. So while on the onset, when you look at these videos, it looks like the game's not pay to win, um, or it's, it's, it's very fair. Uh, actually, a lot of the weapon skins include things like um, uh, faster firing rate and reload rates and this type of thing, um, giving those marginal gameplay improvements. So yeah, overall, it's a faithful port of Call of Duty for mobile. Um, has all the virtual joypad controls you could ever want. Um, so it's really kind of testing that thesis that, you know, do players want to play console games on their mobile devices? Um, riding the wave of things like PUBG Mobile, Fortnite, uh, for fully featured first person shooters, multiplayer on mobile. Um, this type of genre is typically dominant in the East as we've reported on before. Um, so from my perspective, uh, it makes sense for Activision to partner with Timmy Tencent and opt for what I would call a China first, West second type of strategy, uh, where it, it looks like um, they're building a strong, a strong game with making sure that they can actually penetrate the Chinese market first, given that this is typically where these FPS multiplayer games actually dominate first. Um, but the big question here is, you know, why couldn't Activision do it themselves? And what does this deal terms actually look like with Activision and Tencent? Because of course, Tencent still owns uh, PUBG Mobile, a uh, game for peace. And Activision is handing over quite a lot of the Call of Duty IP to actually drive the value and differentiate this game versus that. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna hand it over to you guys. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you think Call of Duty Mobile will be a success for both Activision and Tencent? And you think Call of Duty Mobile has a chance of breaking out of Asia? Uh, I, I can start. So for me, just knowing Tencent and given, I believe that Activision needs to show more traction on mobile outside of King, I expect a shit ton of installs, not, not just in China, but also in the West, at least in the first few months. And so I believe they will likely blow the top off on installs, at least from launch, what we'll see. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the game will explode from a revenue or profitability perspective. So um, I, I think the game will do sort of well for Western markets, but I, I'm a little bit skeptical in terms of it being a spectacular success outside of the first couple of months or outside of, uh, outside of China and does have the potential to, to disappoint. So for me, the key concern I have is whether the core older Call of Duty console PC audience will want to play on mobile or not, at least for the West. Uh, having said that, uh, just looking at that article from the comment section, I, I want to read a comment from someone who calls, who calls themselves Fizz the Slayer. And he states, or he, he, comment, he commented, thank you guys for making this for us Call of Duty fans. I am 36 years old now and and never have as much time for my Xbox One, Xbox 360, and PS3. Now I can j jam PUBG, Fortnite, and now Call of Duty on my phone anywhere, like when I'm at work taking a crap even. So who knows? You know, based on that comment, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. But um, yeah, so yeah, I, I, I am a little bit skeptical, but uh, we'll see. And then finally, in terms of impact to other games, Sort of similar to Apex, I think this has biggest potential to impact PUBG and not 
Fortnite, or should I say Fartnite, which is largely kids. Eric? <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> um, so <laughs> this, this game is actually huge. Uh, investors are super bullish on this game uh, in general. Like they're expecting big things from that. I think the company's talking it up a lot. My biggest challenge with this game is it's for the first person, right? So the thing with Fortnite is that being third person, it makes it a lot easier to control on mobile. So I think that's going to be a real struggle for them. Um, and then the other issue that I'm thinking is that this may have issues getting approvals in China. I've, I've been told by other, lots of people that are uh, much more close to this is that getting Western content approved in China is getting more and more challenging, which could have an impact on World of Warcraft. Sorry, so Diablo as well as this game. Um, and then also th this brand does not necessarily resonate. Like they came out with the PC version of Call of Duty in China and it bombed. I mean, just absolutely bombed. And it was, I think, developed by a Tencent developer. If, if not, it was definitely a Chinese developer. Um, so I don't know. I'm not nearly as bullish. I think, I think uh, in the West, I think it's going to be really challenging uh, given the first person, the control scheme. I think a lot of times people... The reason it does well in other parts of the world is because they don't have access to consoles to play it where it should be played, you know, or PCs that could run it. Um, so I am, and then I, and then I would also say that in China, like the the business model does not work. I mean, it's not going to be all that material for for Activision, in my view, anyway, uh, given the rev share because they're actually making the game. So, yeah, I don't think this is going to be very big. I think I think it's you're right. It's going to get a lot of downloads, particularly in the West. But I just don't think it's going to monetize or, or keep players very engaged very long, is my guess. But uh, what do you think, mm -hmm. Mishka? I think I think I'm online with you. It's it's like first of all, you start thinking about okay, so what is the competition like? They're trying to compete against Fortnite and PUBG. Both are very you know established brands with with a lot of players who've acquired a lot of shit through their battle passes and there's the upcoming apex legends so how are they going to compete against that pretty big names with very established audience you know the kids on the fortnite side and and the uh the more adults on the PUBG side so now they're trying to come in with with their existing brand and it kind of plays the same way as apex but just just not as you know cool if 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 you know what I mean. And then it comes the monetization part. So how well does the sort of a realistic first-person shooter, you know, PUBG is realistic, but it still is kind of post-apocalyptic. So how well does this realistic first-person shooter, not a third-person shooter, fit the sort of a cosmetics-driven monetization with battle passes? Like, what what am I going to get? Because I can't, you know, dress up like a clown in, in, in Call of Duty. I got to be all serious. I got to, you know, can, do I switch my one type of, you know, bandana to from like camo to uh, punisher bandana like what 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 are the differences like what and and plus i don't see it on my on my own character so so how how well does this monetization going to work and then the third part is just operations so is this co-development is this work for hire or is this licensing in the end it doesn't matter either way it's not ideal when you start to running you know the daily operations like who's who's making the design calls like do they have to communicate with Santa Monica. So now they have this, not only the language barrier, but they also have a, a time zone barrier. And then when they start doing the, uh, you know, marketing, who's, who's responsible for marketing? How are they distributing the revenue? Like all of this, I'm just thinking about it and just like, it, you know, makes my head hurt. So it's, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy when, when you have uh, somebody else, even as amazing as Timmy doing, doing the, the sort of a heavy lifting for you. But in the end, this is live operations as we've known and noticed in, in Apex Legends, like it has to be smooth. You have to be adding new stuff all the way. And uh, I think Timmy can do that. Is it Timmy? Yep. Fuck, that sounds so weird. It's like such a good studio, but such a bad name. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they should be called bad motherfuckers. That would be <laughs> BMF would be a great name for that studio, not Timmy. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, <laughs> so these guys I mean, from uh, that's the that's the Chinese translation. <laughs> oh, be, oh so <laughs> Timmy means BMF in Chinese in Mandarin, right? All right, okay, now I get it. <laughs> so, 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 just like. <laughs> Like, like, how how are they going to run these operations? How how are we going to run around, you know, laps around PUBG and and, and Epic and and um, you know, Apex, uh, EA's Apex, because all of those are are in house developed, and even the PUBG, it's it's um, that's the same studio. So does the same studio also 
do the publishing for it? Or is it Henson who does the publishing for it? Who publishes this game? So I just have a lot of questions. I, I'm sure that these have been answered or, or so forth, but it's just like, how how does this work? I'm, I'm, I'm just curious about that. Well, I, I do think this deal is very similar to the deal that they're doing with uh, Blizzard for World of Warcraft. Sorry, why do I keep saying that for Diablo? In which they're just going to get a small percentage because they're doing all the development. I don't think I don't think Activision has anything to do with it. So I, I think they do. I remember, just remember, like a few years back, they were hiring quite heavily for uh, a role for roles in in um, making Call of Duty, and these roles were in Santa Monica. But you were working with a studio based in China back then. I remember oh, really? I went for an interview. So kind of you know things fall into pieces now so there's a studio in china and they were hiring for all these people and my friend went for an interview and he came back saying like they're the old all these ex-console guys who interviewed like a mobile product <laughs> manager for them. he said it was a little bit of a interesting if you, uh, it's like you know uh, they were asking him super basic questions but but acting like they know everything that's his opinion not mine. Not mine. Maybe, so maybe. send your complaints to Mishka. <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe my friend is an asshole. It doesn't matter. But but anyway, that was his view on, on the interview process. And um and so that means that, that they have operations in Santa Monica and they and apparently pretty stepped up. There were executive producers, there were SVPs and VPs and director of products and and um and I know that there, you know, there's marketing managers and, and so forth that I've met who are working on this one. So it seems like Activision is publishing it. So there's that confusion. I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> but not as interesting as the next article. Or do you want to still talk about this, Eric? No, we can move on. Um, yeah. I will say that like the other one point I forgot is that if the fact that PUBG is so successful in China, I, I don't know what Tencent, what incentive Tencent has of pushing um, – you know the Call of Duty game, really. So, but it doesn't matter. They cannibalize all the time their own stuff. Yeah, I know, but I don't know. It, I, to your point, it just seems really confusing and really kind of haphazard. Getting an upside in something like this seems really challenging. Uh, given yeah. the complexity, but you know, we'll see. We will see. So not bullish. <laughs> not bullish. No. You would give it. What was it? A single or double? <laughs> Oh no, not the baseball reference. <laughs> I think it's last time we were positive on this podcast. <laughs> I'm super positive. I'm super positive. Hey, I'm positive on Apex. Good, good. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah. All right, moving on to EA Mobile. Oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> so, all right, uh, I'm going to positive, gonna... positive, positive, fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm super positive about EA. This is very interesting one. So. I'm going to read the article brief, which was not, not as positive. <laughs> so this is me reading the article brief. So uh, EA stock rose after the surprise release uh, and the initial success of Apex Legends, which we talked about in February 2019. And better than expected Q4 results helped to sustain those gains. However, the euphoria faded as the realization set in that the success of Apex Legends is not guaranteed. And some of EA's big releases, such as Anthem, are struggling. While there are expectations that Season 2 of Apex Legends may do well, at this point, the future of EA looks quite murky. A predictably growing stream of gaming revenue is what the market would like to see. This requires EA to transition from current model of mostly standalone or single-purchase games to generate more of its revenue through live operations with in-game transactions and subscriptions. If EA can navigate this transition successfully, then EA stock could become a compelling buy. However, this change is not as easy as exemplified by EA's missteps with its Star Wars franchise. One way to ease this transition is by growing mobile gaming revenue. Unfortunately, mobile gaming within EA is struggling in recent years and is in very much in need of a complete reset and revival. Electronic Arts announced its full year results early May. This result were were very well received. Total net revenue for the whole year of 2019 was almost $5 billion, down by 3.9% year-on-year. Even with this revenue decline, EA beat analysis expectations. Tucked in the overall good result was mobile gaming revenue. It was down for the quarter by a whopping 
23% year on year and by 13% for the trailing 12 months. The decline is even more dramatic in the context of double-digit growth in global mobile gaming revenue, with mobile gaming being the fastest-growing segment of gaming industry. Recently, revenue from mobile gaming has surpassed the combined gaming revenue from both console and PC. EA COO Blake Jorgensen, is it Jorgensen or Jorgensen? I'll say it like a proper Scandinavian Jorgensen, had to say during EA's recent earning call. Mobile delivered net bookings of $135 million, down 23% year-on-year, with declines from aging titles across our portfolio, not offset by growth from our new title, Command & Conquer Rivals. Mobile bookings for EA is expected to continue the decline by 10-15% to 15% for this year. With the management and the whole company focusing on console games and associated live operations, it is possible that mobile gaming is not receiving the love it deserves at EA. It's also worth noting that the, that the published list of executives reporting to the CEO, there is no representation for mobile gaming. So this has been the story that, that we've kind of, you know, touched upon previously in our, in our episodes. I don't remember which one we talk about um, EA's uh, mobile portfolio. And, and, you know, the, the sort of a lack of love that it receives at, at EA, uh, despite being quite great. I mean, their, their mobile portfolio is, is at a glance and even at a, a closer ex, you know, inspection, pretty, pretty vast and, and covers almost everything except casino. But when you look at the closer, closer at their portfolio, you can see that the installs are roughly down by a quarter from above about, you know, above like 40 million a month to somewhat plus 30 million installs a month. Uh, and 16% of all of the installs are coming. Like the, the second most installed game in EA portfolio is Plants vs. Zombie Free. So this is like a, a short version that, that basically probably promotes players to get Plants vs. Zombies 2 or maybe that. And then it has no monetization, nothing. So it's kind of like 16% of the installs are, you know, half wasted. And their third most installed games, so number one is FIFA. And third more, most installed is Real Racing 3. And it, it brings over 10% of, of all installs and just about 4% of the revenue. So what I'm trying to say here with these installs is the games that are getting installs are very old, um, sort of legacy titles, and some of them don't even bring any revenue. So, so on the install side, it's dropping and it's going towards location, towards games that are not even worth it. When you look at the revenue, it's even worse. So it's down by about a third a year on year. And the biggest revenue driver that they've had is the Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. And that one is, is down by about 30% and, and really on a, on a steady decline throughout the year. So that's, that's really worrisome for, for, for a hit game like that. And FIFA, as I said, brings most of the installs, yet the, uh, the revenue impact is only about 10%. And then when that game originally launched, it wasn't very successful and it got a lot of a lot of installs but really underperformed and since then they have been revamping it all the time but it's still not you know not the breadwinner of the portfolio even though it gathers a lot of installs and then there's the madden and in 2019 or the new revamp madden um i don't remember what it was called i played a little bit it felt extremely difficult compared to the previous versions and when you look at the stats it's it's a I don't want to be negative, but it is a catastrophe. I mean, it's down 50% revenues where it has been growing year on year. So so definitely this is a big issue because their star products, the Star Wars and Madden, have both declined really, really heavily. And then they launched two games last year. They they have reduced the amount of games they're launching, kind of focusing on on few bigger, uh, you know, sure shots or or what's home runs, <laughs> whatever. Uh, so, um, and then they launched two amazing franchises last year. So we have Sims Mobile and Command and & Conquer. And as, as in the call, uh, Jurgensen said that, uh, that the, uh, the Command & Conquer failed. And we did an analysis. You can read the full analysis of Deconstructor of Fun. It kind of goes through the details why, you know, a game that was, that when you look at the execution was really well made, it's still, it still failed. So we, we go through the details why. And, and honestly, if you have to you know, say one thing, it's just poor product positioning on, on, and just can't compete against um, 
against Clash Royale, essentially. And and Sims Mobile was was another game that didn't succeed. It, it was really well made and and again just perfect execution. But they already had a Sims Mobile game, Sims Free Play, and um, and this game sort of cannibalized the user from that. It didn't really seem to bring new audiences. Essentially half the revenue of the previous version so now they have two SKUs making the same amount of money which you know it's it you can't say that that's a that's a huge success even though the new sims mobile looks great just like command and conquer and then there's the the issue of pop gap it's like mia now i mean nobody has heard anything about from pop gap uh plants vs zombies gets the installs but where's where's tetris splits where's bejeweled where's where's you know the new version of plants vs zombies the last version that they lost was launch was this card game-ish type of version of Plants vs. Zombies. It was, you know, pretty interesting. Uh, it came before Clash Royale, I believe, or around the same time. And since then, you haven't heard anything from PopCap. So, so that, and that should be their king. You know, that should be the, the, the thing that they, they, they should be, you know, focusing on. And, and then lastly, there's Chilingo. Um, again, nobody has heard anything about Chilingo, so it doesn't seem that EA is doing any publishing these days. Uh, and and um, yeah, so that leaves us to the final step that that EA needs to take, according to the analyst, and and that is adding a mobile game by acquiring a small by acquiring a company, and a small company won't do. So you know, according to the article, if I read it through, it's like their mobile gaming division needs a full reset and revival, says the article. EA is working on mobile support for Anthem and similar games, which is you know great to hear. But again, Anthem wasn't the game that that was really expected maybe it will do better on mobile but but according to to mr eric who follows this this market heavily you know anthem is not the most successful game out there and the success of fortnite and mobile forcing ea to invest there so while it likely succeed it also might take their focus further away from the pure mobile games and there are not many gaming companies with full-fledged live operations and associated systems that could meet the needs of ea and the top two publicly traded companies in the u.s that make the cut are zynga and glue so according to this article definitely you know kind of makes the case that ea mobile is in deep trouble the revenues are declining even though the market is growing double digit and you know EA is not taking mobile seriously, so they need to acquire either Glue, uh, Eric's favorite company, or <laughs> Zynga, and um, which is also Eric's favorite company, <laughs> but in a different way. And um, kind of my my question for you guys is: I know I've been ranting along about this, so do you guys agree with this article of of EA Mobile being in in um in deep uh, trouble and in need of uh, as this article says, reset and revival. And who sh- could, who should, let's not say who could, EA could acquire almost anything, but who should EA acquire to boost up its mobile? All right, here we go. <laughs> First, let's stop picking these seeking alpha stores, stories because this is not a reputable source. <laughs> Having said that, this that article is actually pretty good. He is picking up on something that's obvious from from looking at their results for the last couple of years um second there's no freaking way they acquired glue okay glue is not a strategic acquisition they're still not overvalued for their only two successful games anyway Zing, uh, actually would be perfect um but it's huge right it's almost six billion dollars it'd be almost seven billion dollar acquisition ea is about 30 billion so you'd be taking like one fourth of the company by acquiring zynga and I think Frank likely thinks that he can increase shareholder value without staying independent or increase it better without with staying independent. And again, I think there's still a lot of bad blood between Frank and EA um, and not, a, and they needed that leadership in order to like be, you know, continue their success. So Zynga is probably not going to happen anytime soon either, although it has been rumored here and there. Um, but just to be clear, I am a total broken record on this point. I think I've said this like <laughs> two or three times on this podcast. Andrew, the CEO of EA, does not give a crap about mobile. Full stop, right? He's, that's not part of his strategy, right? He is focused, I think, in the wrong place on subscriptions and, and, and premium content, which premium content's the right, subscription's the wrong. Um, I don't think this will change until a new CEO is put in place. You know, someone like Laura Miele would likely be more aggressive on the mobile side, you know, um, and making other changes to strategy in, in, overall. 
So it's really evident by how it's been managed, right? Samantha Ryan is in charge of mobile, Maxis, and Bioware. So where do you think her focus is, right? You know, like Maxis is doing all the, the sim stuffs are killing it right now. Bioware's in, in total disarray. Like all her attention is on that, right? They don't have, and to his point in the article, they don't have one executive that reports to, um, that, that is in charge of mobile that reports to, to the CEO. Um, so anyway, she split, um, you know, they hired this most, one of the most amazing guys in the business, Mike Verdu, who lasted just about over a year. And I think it's just another sign that, like he was put in charge of mobile and he's actually a really good executive and he left after a year because there is no focus or attention on this thing, you know? Um, now, having said all that, acquisitions are still possible, you know, with, with Andrew. So he, if he wants to back, you know, like tuck in some things to help kind of grow uh, mobile, you know, that makes sense. So, you know, the rumor we've been hearing about over and over again is um, them acquiring Fox next, which I think is going to happen. But, but, um, but, you know, that could help him kind of stabilize at least that, that, that revenue stream. But I don't think he's going to make a real strategic acquisition. So for those of you out there that don't really follow, do this kind of work at all, like, you know, the biz corp dev stuff, like they, they have seen every one of these big acquisitions, right? Graham and small giant, when, when they go for sale, you know, they don't like, you know, get together with Zynga and, you know, date, you know, screw and get married right they 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 they're they like sell sell it to everybody anybody that could could acquire them they're going to talk to and see if there's any interest there so they've done diligence on all these companies very likely and have passed and the fundamental reason is cuz they're not interested in mobile right they don't want to make those investments and they don't want to manage that business so um so it's not like you know he hasn't had the opportunities to acquire these things just Z zynga just offered more money or just is much more strategic for them um so what else is there so uh what i i just would say that sorry generally speaking that happens right where they do a roadshow it's a fiduciary duty for the shareholder so the for the board to actually pitch this these te teams out and and to get interest from all of these parties so anyway my conclusion here is this the same thing i've been saying forever is that until there's a new executive at, in charge of ea um, I don't think they're going to have that as much interest in, in mobile going forward. And they will do a few, maybe a tuck-in acquisition here or there, but it's just not part of their overall strategy, in my view. Um, so what do you think, Joe? Uh, so for me, I, I, I would disagree with you a little bit in the sense that I don't think Zynga makes sense for them. Uh, more from the perspective that all of the growth from Zynga has come from an M&A perspective. And when you look at the remaining targets out there, I, I don't think they can keep that going because all the low-hanging fruit has been taken. But I do agree with you that there's a 0% chance EA acquires either company. You know, Both companies, Zynga and uh, Glue, are not profitable and the impact on uh, public company multiples to valuation and how management is incentivized, in my opinion, makes that sort of discussion a non-starter. And so when we think about, you know, from an M&A perspective, what's, what's been happening is that there's been like this arbitrage between public company multiples and, and private company pricing. I mean, Eric, I'm sure you could speak uh, better to that, but um, agree with you. We've talked a lot about like uh, Fox next speculation. I think this does happen, barring any last-minute maneuvers by by Zynga. But I don't. And, and just to be clear, you know, we don't have any specific confidential info on this. This is basically just speculation, putting putting ourselves in the you know kind of kind of in the um, uh, in in the shoes of these company executives and thinking how they would probably act. So this this is more sort of you know us kind of playing poker here. But um, ultimately, I do think. Although they, I think they acquired Foxnex, I don't think this moves the needle for, for EA or is the ultimate solution for them. So I expect to see more of the same in terms of, you know, sort of EA moving pieces around, bringing in different executives and kind of struggling to figure mobile out over the next at least three to five years. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you. I, yeah, even acquisition of Foxnex will help maybe allow them not to decline 15% and decline 5% instead, but that's just... It's right. just a temporary thing. and, and Yeah, uh, fundamentally, I think EA needs to figure out a way of developing, you know, of, of having an organization or team that is able to successfully build new games for them. And that's, to, for me, that's not Zynga. That's not Glue. It's, it's, 
I mean, and, and it's not any sort of private company that I know of that they can acquire. So I think they're going to have to take a longer term view, build it out organically, and that's going to be tough. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'll agree to disagree on, on the Zynga thing, because if, if it wasn't Frank in charge, like that's kind of I think what Frank really wanted to do at EA was to build that up, you know, or maybe not. I don't know. But he but the but what 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 Zynga would give them is basically an actual mobile company right that has ua and has marketing has production has the whole gamut i don't think they even have that at da anymore i think they're disparate teams that are that are kind of sitting with all the different teams like whether it's nba uh, sorry with the um the fifa guys the madden guys and then they have the sacramento team they have these disparate teams i don't think there is really a mobile organization per se that 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 um that something like zynga has so anyway it could be an interesting acquisition yeah. for them i agree with you on that point from what i know of ea sort of marketing ua i i, I believe you're right on that yeah um yeah it's it, yeah i i do think they're missing in a big opportunity it's just that they don't have the management leadership that's interested um and their bench is just not deep anymore frank took all the people a lot of the execs you know bromberg and um who's a publishing guy like he took a lot of the big guys there you know um so Anyway, Bernard Kim, Bernard, Bernard, right, right. The best dressed exec, man. Yeah, he's <laughs> handsome. He is. He is, his sneaker game is legit. <laughs> he's the, that EA BMI, you know, like that's yeah, if, gotta, if, to be an executive. You have to have the right BMI, dude. If we could, if we could change our Kim to that Kim, we'd do it. <laughs> no offense, JK, but he wears off white, so. Mishka, Mishka, you have the right BMI, but you got to uh, shave the uh, beard a little bit, you know, get rid of the face. I'm on a vacation, dude. <laughs> I see. This is a vacation beard. <laughs> All right. I think, are we done? I think, I think that's it. The first we video podcast. Yeah. We're not putting this on YouTube because we're not handsome. And, uh, <laughs> that's, but, but yeah, thank you. This was fun. All, All right, right, guys. Until next time. Catch the next episode. All right, bye. Yes. Boom.